Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us for our first NISO Experience educational session today. I am NISO Annual Meeting Planning Committee member, Dr. Lauren Vitka. We are pleased to bring this amazing session featuring our friend and colleague, Michelle Shimon, to you today. Michelle will present Create the Life You Love, which will provide us with practical steps to control the overall culture and positive vibration within your team. Before we start the presentation, please allow me to introduce Michelle. Michelle is an international lecturer, trainer, and consultant who has been in the field of orthodontics since 1990, working as a registered dental assistant, teaching orthodontic assisting, marketing, financials, treatment coordinating, and practice management. Michelle and her husband, Chris, live near Seattle, Washington with their two teenage sons. They enjoy family, friends, sun, golf, and water sports. <laughs> Michelle and her family are avid snow skiers, University of Washington Husky fans, and diehard Seahawks enthusiasts. She is involved in her church and volunteers on the board for the Cedar Park Christian Junior Football Program. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Dr. Vickis. I appreciate that. What a nice um, introduction and uh, bio. I, I'm grateful for that. So I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. Can you verify uh, that I'm sharing the right screen, Dr. Vickis? Can you see that? You are set. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here on behalf of all of the NISO members and to be able to spend some time with each of you about the control that you have in creating the life that you love. So once again, I'm honored for the invitation and to spend our time together and especially for Dr. Vickis and for Megan, all of their hard work. But as we continue, obviously Dr. Vickis did such a fantastic job in uh, my introduction of my bio, so I don't need to spend any time on that, but I did wanna share some pictures and actually the bio is a couple of years old. Both of our sons are grown and out of the house in college right now. So um, these pictures are also a couple of years old, but this is my family, my pride and joy. And yes, we are based out of Seattle, Washington. It's a beautiful city. Uh, today, as we talk about creating the life that you live uh, or that you love, I really hope that I can inspire and motivate each of you to be able to understand and recognize the impact that we have and that we're not stuck in a rut. We can wake up each day and make a commitment to really contribute and participate to what it is exactly that we uh, would like to enjoy and be vested in in our livelihood each day at work. And I really wanna take you to the highest level of that motivation and that inspiration and what your role is in able to reset the culture within your practice and to get tremendous results. Uh, I want us to understand what it takes to remove that stress and enjoy our day at work every day and really the role that culture plays in our practice. So we're gonna give you and talk about the actual steps and the tools to be very successful at that individually and how to really set the example in your own leadership within the practice to really turn around the culture uh, within, your, within your practice, no matter the role that you have. We're also gonna demonstrate the value that you have to the practice through your own commitments to grow and develop professionally. So we'll talk about a review process and the team member's role in what that is. Uh, and then how, again, each of us have the ability to influence the buy-in from those around us. 
and how we can, through effective communication, essentially effective leadership, we can come up with agreements that really, really work. So team members, it's really how each one of us can make a difference within our practice. Um, when we talk about wanting you to be the best that you are, there's really one takeaway that I want you uh, to, I want to resonate with you today. And I hope it's how each one of you have the ability to make a remarkable difference in your team today. The practices that do not get those positive growth uh, and effective or, or maximum growth and uh, don't have that positive culture in place really are missing that effective management and leadership. And each one of you, again, no matter the role that you hold in the practice, have that ability to be a leader within the practice. And leaders love their people. I often quote John Maxwell. I think he has very powerful messaging when we talk about team, team members and teams and practices and leadership. And again, I, my desire is to generate an excitement and an enthusiasm for how you can make your mark and how you can really grow and develop professionally taking your skill set and ability to communicate and influence those around you to truly the highest level. So I want you to take a moment and reflect on the teams you know of or that you view on social media that really completely exude a remarkable culture. What makes them different? And how can you create that within your practice? We talk so much about the strategies and game plans or steps to take with our patients, but really where does that process start? Uh, and when we have it internally within the culture of our practice, that's really what we reflect and exude externally. And so um, I, I want you to think about it for a moment and I don't want you to immediately identify those that you recognizes doing it all wrong, but I want you to think about those opportunities that we have and that you have in your practice that you can do more of. So it does start with the doctor and with the leaders within the practice. I often say it doesn't matter the position you hold in the practice, we all have the ability to be a leader. And whether you are an office manager, a sterilization tech, a lab tech, a treatment coordinator, we all have the ability to influence. And if this is not your doctor's strength, you be that strength and you be that positive influence within your practice. Let's maximize your strengths and minimize your weaknesses. And let's bring in those around you that can really enhance your team. It requires being strategic and not reactive. We really cannot underestimate or undervalue the need for positive leadership, which is truly you. Let's encourage our team members through leading by example to make commitments and team agreements. And we'll talk about in a few slides how to ask the right questions for engagement and discussion and not simply just talking at somebody, which is essentially really ineffective communication and an ineffective way to really influence any behavior. The definition of cultures of culture is the customs, the way of life, the social interaction or achievement of a group or society. And really, I my goal for you today is to attract and keep top talent and for us to create a platform for you individually to understand and know how to grow and become more valuable to the business. 
I've had the pleasure of working with hundreds of orthodontic practices around the world. And really the deciding factor of a practice's success is the team and the recipe for the team's commitment and leadership. And it's a matter of being able to identify opportunities, make commitments as a team, post agreements, celebrate successes and encourage discussions. And I'll give you those steps to that process. Remember, it's not about catching the negatives. It's not about talking at someone. It's not about shaming or embarrassing someone or simply dictating a task or a process. And I'll share with you the difference between management and leadership and how this process is not abdicating authority or accountability. It's simply influencing buy-in from team members and what your role as a team member is in this process. We really will get nowhere in seeing results if this process occurs. Um, we actually recognize that through leading by example, team members rise to what we expect or what we tolerate out of them, good or bad. So it's important that we ensure we've been given clear expectations for our team and that we are allowing the opportunities for that high level of accountability with our team members. So I challenge you to recognize your ability in your practice to influence your team for growth. I'm sure that we have goals in our practices, and hopefully we'll talk a little bit later about that. But if you don't have goals, I'll give you some ideas on where we can provide direction for the team, how we can present this, most importantly, understanding the why behind these processes for our doctor, our management, and the rest of our team members. But we really should desire, a responsibility, and a commitment to our practice. And when we recognize that our ability to provide positive leadership and motivation will generate staff and team members that desire to grow and develop our practice, and it will support top talent and staff retention, which we all recognize is a challenge no matter where our practice is in the country right now specifically. And this will also meet our team members' intrinsic need to matter and make a difference. And again, this process, it doesn't matter the role that we hold in the practice, we all have the ability to make a positive impact on this process and lead by example. Be the game changer, good, better, best, never let it rest till your good is better and your better is best. Mindset, how you show up every day is really what separates the best from the best. There should never be a pinnacle of success. Constant growth and improvement should really be each of our goals and desires. And this is what makes us more valuable to the practice and provides our ability to earn more through increases in wage, responsibility, bonus opportunities as well. We really all lose when negativity and a lack of motivation are the fundamental building stones of the practice. Negativity is actually a learned behavior that becomes habitual. It's important that as a group, as a team, we decide what our vision is for not only what we deliver out to the community and to our patients, but what's our vision and our motivation internally as a team. And when we all contribute to creating that and we come to those agreements, we have something to hold our other team members accountable to when they are not living up to those expectations. And then it becomes detrimental if steps are not taken to turn that around, correct it, and or remove 
remove that behavior. So essentially, if it's just tolerated in, uh, in the practice. It's really important that we talk about what we all get out of this process. When we tolerate gossiping and negativity, we have to recognize that those are just symptoms of unhappiness and a lack of leadership. And when that happens, we lose good staff, we lose happy days, we lose confidence, practice growth, personal growth, and really it does seep out into the reputation in our community. So when we look to how we can influence and change this behavior or reset a culture within our practice, we have to recognize that times have really changed. Years ago, um, employees would just show up to work. They would do as they were told, even if really that meant moving every couple of years. They'd stay working for a less than ideal boss and they would stand by when they weren't being promoted. And we have to recognize that times have changed significantly. Now, employees expect more. They expect to be treated fairly. They expect to be given a clear sense of direction and opportunity. And they desire the resources to grow and develop professionally. And if their basic work-related needs aren't met, then they will move on and you will lose top talent within your practice. We'll all go home with stress and headaches and having to deal with the difficult, unhappy team members. So when we can provide that clear direction of motivation and that clear direction of expectation, we are improving our livelihood around us. And it's important that we don't settle for mediocrity in your skills as a team member as well, but that you commit to grow and develop. So remember when that happens, you won't see change uh, by dictating or talking at somebody. You need to facilitate a participation in the desired change and potential strategy. And this goes with no matter who are you communicating with within the practice, how can we have effective communication and how can we accomplish effective listening or feedback strategies with our team members? It's important that we talk more about how to accomplish this when we talk about um, our review process in a few slides as well. And I will give you the tools to be very successful with that. But let's start with the first the eight realities of motivating team members around us, which really reflects us getting the results that we're looking for in a positive culture, in an environment that we can feel vested in as our livelihood that we're choosing to be a part of. It's important that one, we lead proactively. And that means that no matter what responsibilities we have in the practice, we don't micromanage. When I talk about setting up clear lanes or channels that deliver a high level of accountability, this is what removes the need to micromanage. Help us easily assign track and discuss the tasks that you have different team members working on or that you are participating on with other team members. And then we wanna provide frequent feedback. We can quickly and simply offer some encouragement or shoot a quick email with a couple of pointers. We can also implement an open door policy that minimizes the channels for gossiping and complaining from team members as well. When we ask a team member or we're providing feedback to a team member, it's important that we understand from their perspective what's happening as well. So a good question to ask is tell me more about that or are we getting the results that you are looking for with that and integrate a dialogue 
And this is the difference of simply talking at somebody or talking to somebody. So it's all shout outs are really powerful and really important as well as you approach your role with humility and develop your leadership skills through peer praise and um, praising your teammates publicly. You can do it through handwritten notes. You can do it in a team huddle. You can do it through an email. It's really powerful to be able to lift up those team members around you. And that is a perfect example of leading by example. So we also need to recognize when we talk about clear channels that job titles are important. It's important that we create a career channel. And team members, if you need more clarity about the opportunities to grow within the business, ask for what that process might look like. Uh, ensure that the team and the practice has clearly defined job roles and definitions. And we implement position manuals or playbooks with, for our clients but also help encourage and facilitate collaboration and contribution by implementing project managers that are really accountable and own a project the practice might be doing. And they can utilize the team's talent alongside them, but they'll have a clear channel of that accountability for that manager. And then it's really important that we understand the importance of authenticity and teachability or coachability and accessibility. This is where humility comes in because keep in mind, most team members would rather work for Dwight than Michael Scott because Dwight really tells it like it is and he cuts the crap. You will always know what this type of person is thinking and they will provide you with realistic, authentic feedback, removing the dancing around the topic and the nonsense. So if we think about the difference between how Michael Scott manages, we understand that Michael is the epitome of a manager who talks in circles, can't relate to team members, and really does not clearly define expectations. Most of the time, we actually never really know what Michael's talking about. One of my favorite shows, but again, it's important that we don't shy away from conflict and we recognize that any conflict is an opportunity for growth and improvement within our practice. So as we talk about the eight realities of motivating team members, we have to recognize, as I've referenced earlier, do we know the why? Do we, as a team, understand the why behind any of our actions or activities? When we do, as a team, um, collaboratively understand the, our values and our why behind our processes, it's much easier for that message to exude to your patients, to your community, and to really help those team members, those uh, members of the community and our patients really connect with our business. We also want in motivating our team members to give our team members an opportunity to make a difference. And that means providing bonding and team building activities so they feel like they are significant part of something and that we are creating a more desirable place for our team members to choose and to work for and with. When we talk about uh, creating a culture that embraces fun, this motivational tip really is related to giving work meaningful and extremely beneficial opportunities to ensure that their leadership is visible, that your leadership and your um, opportunities and core values and your company mission are at the forefront of what you choose to participate in and facilitate within your practice. 
So why is motivation in the workplace important? Why can't we just show up to work, get through our checklist of what our responsibilities are and clock out? The answer to that is that you can. And I hope that after today's session, you are inspired and motivated to move beyond the clock in, clock out mentality, and that you have the tools to be a powerful influence and a powerful leader within your practice. And I wanna share a little bit about why motivation, I'm always gonna circle back to the why, why motivation is important in the workplace. And really how we can assist our team members take employee motivation to the next level. This truly is something that's attainable. Fun staff meetings and outings have their benefits, but true motivation activation requires the right goals to be matched with the perfect incentives within your practice. And we want to put in front of us a direction to aim for focused discussion and opportunities to activate all of our team members around us. Because strong teams and productive teams provide great products and services or change that to uh, treatment and experiences with your patients. Very powerful message for who your practice is and what it reflects out to your patients. When we talk about the benefits of motivated team members, we understand that when we as team members are motivated, um, we have increased commitment and satisfaction. Uh, we have ongoing employee development and improved employee efficiency. Employee motivation is highly important for every practice due to the benefits that it brings to the practice and our patients. So when we talk about the benefits, they're listed on the top. When we talk about how to increase employee motivation to accomplish those benefits, we do that through effective communication. Um, we value individual team members' contributions and talents, and we help to support and create a positive workplace environment. These are 12 easy steps that you can do to help facilitate and support that motivation and that positivity in a workplace. Create a friendly work environment. Show up to work with a positive attitude, uh, an attitude to serve outside of your position. Uh, activate or uh, acknowledge employees' achievements. And don't be afraid to call out team members. Lead by example. People around you will live up to what we expect out of them. Positive communication is key. Friendly competition internally is fun. You see those team members that will, uh, I was recently in a practice actually, and we recorded a fun little recording of the team and it was all natural, all fun out in the treatment area. All the technicians were doing this fun little dance at three o'clock in the afternoon because a fun song came on. That's really creating a fun environment that we all want to be a part of. And all of the patients turned around and were laughing and were watching. And it was a really powerful experience that resonated with me for the team that I was with. And have a meaningful and worthwhile goal. As we talked about having purposeful goals, uh, that we can also help create a, a career path that is our choice as team members, uh, what direction we want to take and what area we want to focus on. The remaining part of the 12 easy steps for employee motivation is to actually be a team member or a leader worth following. Encourage creativity, encourage teamwork, 
welcome ideas, and don't let team members become bored. So facilitate and come up with creative competitions and ideas. But the CEO of Xerox actually stated that employees who believe that management is concerned about them as a whole person, not just as an employee, are more productive, more satisfied and more fulfilled. Satisfied employees or team members mean satisfied patients. It's actually customers, but I said, let's change it to patients because really that's who we're delivering this process to. I often say if passion is involved, it's not high pressure sales. I love Richard Branson's philosophy in business and leadership. He is an investor, an author, and a philanthropist. He founded Virgin Group, which now controls more than 400 companies, and he's worth more than $4.1 billion. Richard Branson says, when you believe in something, the force of your convictions will spark the interest of others. No matter the treatment modalities, no matter the contests or the processes that you provide in your practice, if you believe in those and you're passionate about what you're providing your patients, that's the message that you will exude and you will have a higher ability to influence those around you. I challenge you to find your why and what your belief is within your practice and inspire passion and conviction among your team members because this is really what will set your practice apart and create that culture that facilitates remarkable reputations and growth. So let's break this down to what it means for each of us, what this means for you. We understand that culture facilitates good or bad. So many times I observe team members that are uninvested, sad, unmotivated, and really just going through the motions, or doctors that are discouraged with their team and the culture and their practice, and they just don't know what to do. They feel they've tried everything and they just cannot seem to turn things around. Remember, the culture, good or bad, is what seeps outward as your reputation within the community. Forbes magazine wrote the three reasons why positive work cultures are more productive for business. They encourage happier employees or team members. They promote collaboration. And as team members, we each have valuable uh, assets to provide the practice. We have valuable experience and we have valuable interpretations. So this means something to the growth of our practice. So when we talk about collaboration, that means you participating in these processes, in these dialogues and discussions. And we really want to encourage creativity and a positive work culture helps to set that up. I actually literally received this email one, one morning. I woke up and I got into my office and, and got this email. And it was word for word from a doctor that says, keeping my team motivated, happy, and working effectively has become my greatest challenge. And I'm feeling the need for help more than ever. It's 4 a.m. I'm not sleeping. I'm anxious. And I simply desire peace of mind. Uh, this reflects a very common struggle that I see within practices from team members and doctors alike. It is just as frustrating to us as team members as it is to our doctors. So when we talk about positive work cultures, which I just gave you the steps for contributing to, we recognize that it provides an opportunity for happier employees. And we know that when someone dreads going into work, they drag their feet all day, 
They constantly are watching the clock and doing the bare minimum. They don't go above and beyond and they don't show interest in personal professional growth. And doctors go home with headaches, stressed out and just really having not enjoyed their day. We do understand when we're excited to be a part of a positive team and an energetic team, we're happier with our jobs. We are more likely to exceed expectations of us which is reflective of us being more valuable to the practice and an opportunity to earn more because we get more done. And all of that, rec that recipe or that combination is the recipe for higher staff retention. And it's the recipe for us as team members to go home happy at the end of the day. So we also, when I talked about collaboration, we really want to help to support and facilitate employees that are encouraged to get to know our team members. And I recognize the times during COVID have really put a kink in this opportunity because we can't eat lunch together. We have to eat separated. We're still hiding behind masks. And I, I want us to be very uh, respective of what's going on right now in society, but also to recognize to our core how we are designed to connect with people on an emotional and a relational level as well. So don't be afraid. Don't get into bad habits. If, if your restrictions start to let up and you feel comfortable having lunch in the staff room with your team members, facilitate doing that or invite a team members to go out to lunch so that you can connect again, emotionally and relationally on a social level outside of work. I'm not saying that we need to stay after work and we need to do things outside of work, but put in the effort in the morning when you show up to work, ask your team members, how was your night last night? How was your weekend? Because when we can facilitate this opportunity, our team members work faster, they're more efficient. It's really a recipe for success in creating a comfortable environment that people want to be a part of and that people are searching uh, to join when, when your team has that available position. We want to inspire creativity um, because we understand that positive work culture encourages team members in every level and position to invest more in our tasks and in our projects that we're working on. And, and we deliver better results with that. We want all of our team members to feel safe in sharing ideas and problem solving. In the review process, I'll talk about the open door policy where we turn around team members that are simply looking to gossip and complain, and we're taking a positive, proactive approach to finding a solution. And we do that through effective interaction and communication. It's important that we look for fresh perspectives um, so that our practice can be more productive, more efficient, ultimately more profitable. So I do want to share with you an analogy. It's really the iceberg mentality. And when we look at this, this is reflective of the iceberg that sinks organizational change. As a practice, as a team, we want to facilitate organizational change from the foundational level so that we can truly get the behavior and the results that we're looking for. We have to understand the nature and the how culture is perceived and how we receive change. The visible organizational culture is what people see, and it includes things like strategy, shared values, structures, vision, goals, procedures, and policies. The bottom of the iceberg, what is not seen is what 
are the real drivers behind the culture and our practices and the way that we really accomplish something or get something done. And that is the beliefs, the values, the perceptions, the unwritten rules, the stories, the shared assumptions, traditions, norms, and feelings. So when we talk about what we want to accomplish on the top of the iceberg, this is actually how we want to facilitate that change. And that's what you see below. Now, are you getting the best performance out of your team? Let's understand a little about motivation and what actually drives behavior. The iceberg model is a useful metaphor as it shows how different motivators drive different kinds of performance. It helps managers, leaders, team members, parents and educators, anyone concerned with motivating or influencing others, consider how to use their emotional intelligence to fuel lasting change. And one of the central challenges of managing and leading is to inspire and engage or to motivate people around you to optimal performance. And as we consider motivating employees, we can divide the work we want to achieve into two basic categories of outcomes. The first is basic task-oriented behavioral pieces of work, showing up on time, completing required tasks. These tend to be prescribed, tactile, and easily measurable. The second is really how, as team members, we work. And this category is more about the quality of our work or the employee's work. We want our employees and team members to care for our patients and to innovate new solutions and to give their all, to trust and to be trustworthy. So when we want to influence the second category, it's not just a behavior we need, but a quality. How do we get this kind of deep motivation out of team members? At the tip of the iceberg are those visible, tangible activities or your extrinsic or exterior motivators. And beneath the surface are the invisible, emotional drivers which shape attitude. These are our intrinsic motivators. These emotional drivers make the difference in how activities are done and they define the impact we have on patients and coworkers. Above is the behavior, below is what drives our behavior. An, in, an extrinsic motivator lives outside of us as employees, such as bonuses, perks, rewards, praise. They are designed to manage. They are easy to quantify and are concrete, and they reinforce power and structure. These extrinsic motivators produce specific performances from the team. It's really what produces the clock in, clock out mentality. They follow procedures, they complete tasks, and they do the minimums. So we have the motivator. If we look on the top, what's outside of us, the motivator, and this is what the deliverable is, the performance that we get from this. Whereas an intrinsic behavior or motivator lives inside us as team members. It's passion, it's a sense of belonging, and it's a purpose. They're driven by relationships, tang they're tangible, they're abstract, and they reinforce interdependence or shared responsibility. And when we motivate in the form of acknowledgement, relationships, belonging, and purpose, we produce specific performances from the team in the form of trust, innovation, commitment, and care. This is how you get true, genuine, and authentic performance results from others. 
So think about how we are working currently within our practice. Are we working from the top of the iceberg with those extrinsic motivators? Or do we understand how to get true employee motivation and activation by understanding what the intrinsic or the motivators that are inside of us and what performance we get when we can really hit the nail on the head and when our team is firing on all cylinders. So I have talked about well, uh, leading by example. And we talked a lot about how culture is so much bigger than just a business strategy. It's important that we put positive leaders in place to influence and to help maximize our strengths and minimize our weaknesses. Team members, each and every one of you have the ability to be this person in your practice. And you not only will grow and thrive personally, but you will be loving and serving your team, leading by example. And this makes you a very valuable employee. When I was working as an office manager in a suit and heels, and I recognized that the clinical team had had a really busy morning, I would not have a problem going out to the treatment area right before lunch and say, hey guys, go to lunch. High five everybody. You guys have done an awesome job. Strong work this morning. I will take care of turning your chairs up and cleaning everything up and setting up for your afternoon patients. I'm proud of each one of you. Enjoy your lunch. And I would serve outside of my position and lead by example as the office manager in how can I motivate the team members around me? How can I set a true example of what our team vision really is and what it reflects? That's understanding and hitting the mark in what our team needs. And when I talk about hitting the mark and showing appreciation, it's understanding what our team's um, uh, language of appreciation is as well. And we'll talk about that in, in a few minutes. This is another quote from John Maxwell that really resonated with me again. And it says that most teams don't naturally get better on their own. Left alone, they don't grow, improve, or reach championship caliber. Instead, they tend to wind down and the road to the next level is always uphill. And if a team isn't intentionally fighting to move up, then inevitably it slides down. And when that happens, uh, our team loses focus, gets out of rhythm, decreases energy, breaks down in unity, loses momentum, and the practice will lose key employees or team members. This is some of the best marketing you have when us as team members can be the best that we possibly can be. I wanna challenge you for internal development because as we develop and grow internally, that's what we exude externally and where we'll really see remarkable change and growth within our practice. When you change internally, you demonstrate externally to your patients, your community, your remarkable reputation. And the good news is that your leadership style can build a winning team or transform the existing team that you currently have by utilizing these tools that we're talking about today. So let's talk a little bit more about this and peel the layers of this onion back. The key factors that are imperative to a successful practice with a remarkable reputation is positive leadership, effective management, influential communication and goal-driven motivation. The measure of a leader is not what you do, but what others do because of you. The ability to positively and effectively lead and influence those around you is a fabulous recipe and it's a learned behavior. Leaders must have a vision. Uh, they must have creativity and the ability to influence others and support them. 
research shows through many institutions that positive organizational development is a powerful weapon for creating your happier, more positive cultures and workplaces and more loyal and committed employees who produce better work. It really comes down to one word and that is kindness. And before I get into the business case for kindness, I do wanna ask, why don't we see more kindness in the workplace? Why aren't more decision makers jumping on this bandwagon? And why, if it means leveraging for business growth and impacting the bottom line results positively, are we not focusing more on this alone in our leadership and our management? Simple kindness when you show up to work, say hello to teammates, say goodbye at the end of the day. I know this really seems basic and I see this nearly every day in practices that it's not happening and it's discouraging and it's disheartening and the practices are not getting optimum results. It's really not rocket science. It's simple acts of kindness. And it's important that we utilize this skill set with our team to understand the importance of what this does to leverage business growth and impact our bottom line uh, positively. Kindness does have to be genuine. It's serving others outside of your job description and it's leading by example. We have to hit the mark when we're talking about the language of appreciation for our team members as well. Um, what is their understanding and perception of kindness and do they feel that it's coming from the heart? Um, I, I do have examples, many different examples of where team members are trying to serve or do something for other team members and it's missing the mark because they're not understanding their language of appreciation. So we can simply ask our team members, what can I do for you today? I see you've been working really hard. I've got a few minutes. What can I do for you? And ask those around us uh, what it is that they need at that time. So when we talk about more leadership, how this contributes, uh, how it's interrelated and connected with kindness and a positive work environment and culture, we understand that nothing could be further from the truth than the belief that kindness is not fit for business. The University of Washington, the University of Delaware, they have all done research suggesting that when companies create an environment of kindness lived out daily, they'll see happier workplace and improved bottom line. And I wanna show you a few examples of what this looks like. What are we waiting for? If kindness and positivity does not replace firmness and accountability, but we recognize that it boosts employee well-being and productivity, right? So I'm gonna say this again. Kindness and positivity do not replace firmness and accountability. We can provide firm feedback and recommendations to our team members and hold them accountable in a kind, effective way. I've witnessed new team members that join teams and they're not included to go out to lunch and they don't feel like they're a part of a, the group. Go out of your way to help your team members feel appreciated and a part of this because we understand that our brains are hardwired to respond to kindness and trust. We recognize that when we can uh, provide that to those around us, our environment relaxes, others around us feel more open with sharing and being more cooperative with us. And this directly affects your practice and the success of your business and who you will be attracting into your practice as team members as well. We talk often about attracting and retaining top talent. We also recognize that kindness promotes trust. In a PricewaterCoopers survey of over 1,400 CEOs in 83 countries, it was found that kindness boosts employee commitment 
cuts down communication barriers, reduces toxic relationships among team members and bolsters relationships. Or when we think about kindness, fostering learning and innovation, change those words to growth and development, not your OBS program, but your personal and professional growth and development. Bring out the best in your team. Take full advantage of our team's strengths. And as team members, we should be committed to our own professional growth and development because we also recognize that it will increase employee retention and reduce turnover. Another study the University of Delaware provided was that employees perceive when employees perceive that they are valued for their contribution and that their organization cares about their well-being, they feel a positive obligation to help the organization reach its goals and objectives. We also recognize that absenteeism and missed work and clocking in and clocking out mentality is minimized. Change does start with leadership. I hope I've inspired each of you to recognize your ability to uh, lead within your practice and influence. It absolutely starts with you. You set the tone within your practice. Accountability is necessary. Management is necessary. But our goal should be to develop team members that are all leaders, facilitating change through creativity, excitement, enthusiasm, and a vested interest within the practice. It's important that we ensure that the right people are in the right position within your practice. Don't simply have a manager if you don't have the right person. This actually can be more detrimental to your team and your practice. Management is a developed and a learned skill set. Managers are not just managers. They need to be effective leaders, inspiring and caring for their team, and the team has to trust them. Managers also have to be able to identify employees' strengths and weaknesses and maximize those strengths and minimize those weaknesses. They essentially are the advocate for the practice, for the patients, for the doctor, and for the business. Are you a manager that provides clarity to your team, removing feelings and perceptions and making recommendations and expectations based on data and metrics? How successful is this person? How successful is this process? Are changes or edits needed to get different results? When I talk about removing perception, we'll talk about this in our review process as well. That is removing feelings and perceptions. I never want to say, I feel like our TCs do a fabulous job, or I feel like our TCs follow up on all our patients, or I feel like we don't have uh, broken uh, emergency appointments a lot. We don't have very many of those. That's a feeling and a perception, and that varies from team member to team member and from patient to patient. It's important that we look at the data and the metrics of what it really is. Are we following up on every patient? Are we able to run that report, see those comments and those notes? Um, are we measuring our conversion rates properly and correctly? And then run the report on your breakage. Don't just go off of a feeling. So we do recognize that management does have or needs requires a degree of delegation. Uh, delegation, I do wanna define, it's not abdication, uh, abdication or it's not micromanagement. It's not simply assigning tasks or making somebody do it. Delegation means referring to a team member, I'm sorry, transferring to a team member the responsibility for an area of work and stepping back and letting them do their job. However, remember there are systems in place that provide accountability and the ability to measure the success of that as well. 
That's what management processes are. Our goal is to delegate and hand off the responsibility as completely as possible, making for independent, capable team members and freeing you up to conquer new tasks. I can do it. Yes, I will do it. Heck yeah, I did it. Empower your team to fly. You will experience their full potential and talent when this happens. So as we think about, if you're in management, if you're in leadership within a practice, uh, doctors, if there's any doctors attending today, I want us to take a minute to think about if you have the coach's mindset or are you just going to work needing to get results under any circumstances? Are you truly getting the greatest results possible? Remember what we've talked about. We have the ability to influence staff retention, dedication, commitment, going above and beyond, serving others outside of their position. I, uh, one time a friend and a colleague of mine was lecturing and he said that they have a code within their practice and they know that when, or this doctor knows when team members come up to him and they need him in a certain mind frame, they say, hey coach, and that clicks with him that he says, hey, I'm in a coach's mind frame, I'm going to actively listen and provide effective feedback or coaching for this individual. And that's something that I really resonated with me. When you hear this, understand the impact that you have and utilize this process so that you can truly have a coach's mindset uh, and use it as the extraordinary powerful tool that it is. Sports teams are run better than most businesses because they have strategies and playbooks and goals. They have training and conditioning. And not only do they know where the finish line is, but they're trained and conditioned to cross it and to cross the finish line first. I do a lot of sports analogies in my training because we are teams. We should have strategies. We should have goals and direction. And each of us as team members should know what our role is in achieving that. And then what's in it for us when we do cross that finish line and we cross that finish line first. So if you have the manager in place, ensure that your team members have training and that we're recalibrating where we are as a team. Use this through an interactive process that we've talked about and shared. This is really becomes the core of who and what your practice is and can absolutely make or break a team. Managers whose, or people whose managers believe in them and want to help them succeed, they often exceed even the most positive expectations. And that's something that can really turn a practice around. Manager's role, leadership's role is to create a work environment where people feel supported and respected. And this starts with clarifying the workplace that we all want. Participate in an interactive uh, process and activity with your team so they're contributing to what we want that to look like and help specify the jobs and the roles uh, that each team member has and takes on within your practice. So we also know that communication is key in leadership and management and contributing to a positive work, work culture and the key piece of communication is listening. Most people are too concerned with what they are going to say next than truly listening to what the person is saying. And when I talk about having an open door policy, I recognize that team members have experiences and interactions and they can perceive those as problems or challenges. And when a team member comes to me in a leadership position or a management position, 
with a problem or a challenge, the first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to say, thank you so much for that opportunity. The minute you change the word from problem and challenge to opportunity, it changes the mindset to approach the situation looking for a positive solution. And it also will do two things. It will help identify those team members that simply want a platform to complain and gossip because they'll get tired of you asking what is a potential solution. And when we're asking, thank, you know, recognizing, thank you so much for identifying this opportunity, what would a potential solution be? The team members that are actively looking for those positive, proactive solutions will contribute to that. And you will grow and develop your team members around you. And the team members that simply, again, want a platform to complain and gossip will get tired of you asking them that question, and they'll stop coming to you with that. This is the number one way that we're going to turn around gossiping and complaining in a practice. No matter the role that you have within the practice, you have the ability to be able to recognize and help train our team members in approaching situations differently. Pay attention, invite through verbal and nonverbal signals and ask clarifying questions so that we can recognize and understand what somebody is trying to deliver to us in the message. The next process in communication is growth and development and the employee review process that we'll take the next few minutes to look at. And when we talk about how the review process demonstrates and facilitates growth and development, the most important piece of it is to invite the team member to be a participant in it. It's important that we really understand how to listen. We make clear performance agreements together based on our practice vision and strategic goals and our team members understanding and ability uh, to, of themselves to change, grow and improve. The goal is to always remove feelings and perceptions and to coach and support change, growth and improvement. So let's talk about this further and how the review process demonstrates and facilitates this. It's important that we ask the team member to summarize what they have agreed to do, what you have agreed to do and set benchmarks and timelines. So they should fill out a review process on themselves and the manager or the doctor or the lead should fill out one on the team member as well. And we utilize that information to identify where there might be any disconnects in understanding or processes or the results we're getting. Um, as team members and as managers, it's important that we honor our commitments and we offer feedback and maintain the mindset of a coach. And we also provide corrective feedback. And we have to recognize that this it actually lies in giving it in a way that supports the employee development rather than impeding it. Asking them, what is it that you need to be successful at accomplishing this goal that we discussed together? And that's how a question we also ask the team member and encourage that participation so that we can provide the clarity and the understanding from their perspective and from the team member's point of view. We really want to look for and identify barriers or obstacles. Employees should always review themselves along with a key team member to review them and the doctor, the office manager to review them on the same form as well. And these are kept confidential. The manager is actually going to be reviewing those and identifying where there might be any breakdowns or disconnects. And this is actually done annually. This should not be tied in with a uh, wage review. Performance review and wage review are separate. And it's important that we do a performance review 
at least once a year, if not more often, if we're looking to change or coach different um, behavior. And some questions should in, be included are, uh, what did you accomplish and grow and improve on last year? And what areas have you identified that you desire to grow and improve on your skill set this upcoming year? And write those down and use those at the next review process to see how effective this was with the team member. After your review process, it's always important to schedule a date to revisit and evaluate the success of those desired goals and assess if we're on track to accomplish what we set out to. If not, determine the changes that need to be made in order to uh, accomplish those goals or additional support the team member needs to accomplish those goals and then recommit with another date to follow up on that process. So it is important that performance reviews are tied directly with real-time coaching and should be throughout the year consistently. As I said, wage reviews should be on their anniversary date, assessed by your skills and abilities and commitments. Team members, you cannot simply expect a wage increase each year without having improved upon your skills and contributions to the practice and to your own professional growth. Decide, commit, and succeed. Review processes develop team members or develop ourselves skills and abilities. Employees, team members' responsibility in a review process is to provide responsive feedback, listen, engage in dialogue and how to change and make an effort to do so. Keep your agreements and your timeframes and your deadlines. Do what you've committed to do. Show integrity and manage your own growth. Be an active participant in your skill set and turn yourself into a more valuable team member. It's important that you recognize that you are primarily responsible for your own success and that you take independent action to learn and improve. And uh, employees, our responsibility, this isn't us sitting on the other side of a counter as somebody provides us feedback on our performance. It's really important that we bring our celebrations and successes and that we discuss and talk what our commitments are as well. We also, as team members, need to commit to being good team members and good company citizens, considering others' needs and preferences as well as our own when speaking and acting. And we talked about doing this through effective communication. Who in the room or who attending this session would not want a full team of employees that are highly skilled, independent, and committed? It's important that each of us contribute and commit to this process. So we talked about already identifying opportunities within our practice. We talked about changing problems and challenges to opportunities. Just doing changing the word alone is very powerful. We talked about leading by example, committing to growth and development, how to coach and listen effectively in essentially building trust among our team members. Do you have the skills and the ability to build trust with every team member? Are you leading by example and influencing those around us? Because trust equals influence and your ability to influence others equals success. This is a process that will actually create employees that are invested in the success of the practice. Do we understand the why? Has it been established through a team commitment and understanding? And does the team understand what's in it for them? Are the goals clear and in place for the practice? Does the team know where that finish line is? And are they coached, trained, and conditioned to cross that finish line first?
As we get ready to wrap up, I want to leave you with one final thought and encouragement. There should never be a pinnacle of success. We should always be striving to get better, do better, be better. I want to challenge you to be the change. When we talk about moving toward mastery, it means not stopping yourself. Mastery requires consciously moving through your limitations. It means honoring your way of learning. Each of us has our own learning approaches that work and don't work for us. Find out what works for us and rely on those approaches to take you to mastery, that next level, and practice. The core to mastery is doing new behaviors again and again until they become habitual. This happens actually with negativity or gratefulness and positivity. I challenge you again, you be the change. Commit to your own professional growth and development. Commit to who you will be and commit to your team, ultimately succeeding. We talked a lot about the roles and the ability that we each have to make a commitment and decide on how can we choose to live our best life, a life that we love, that we are choosing to contribute to and show up to every day. And we talked about how we can remove stress, how we can contribute to a positive culture. We talked about how we can demonstrate our value to the practice through a commitment to grow and develop professionally, facilitating the buy-in from those around us and how to set agreements that really deliver results through effective and positive leadership. Shimon Consulting does this through creating very clear position manuals or playbooks for every position in the practice. And we work really hard to coach on management and leadership. I would love to visit with you. Visit us on our web website. Reach out to me at any time if there's a process or a system that my team and I can assist you with within your practice and taking you to that next level and allowing you and every team member to be the best you that you can be. At this time, I really wanted to thank Meg and Dr. Vitkus and the team at NISO for the opportunity to be with you today and to open this up for a couple of questions that I think have come in. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Yes, this was an incredible presentation. So many positives for our teams as a whole. I mean, for doctors, for staff, and I mean, how many times did we use that word teamwork and team energy and everybody should be a leader. So I had a lot of takeaways. I know myself there as a doctor. I know if my team was listening right now, there'd be so many positives for them for us to reflect on. Um, we do have a couple questions for you. Um, and, and some of these are things you've touched on as you went through this, but I think it'll be nice to just hear bullet point answers from you um, regarding a couple of these. So number one, you know, as I think as we're thinking about this team approach to doctors and to staff members, you know, myself being the doctor, I know sometimes it's hard for my staff to come to me directly. And I, I tell them all the time, I want the positive um, constructive criticism, I guess. I want the constructive criticism as well. So what pointers do you have for team members who maybe have some things that they think their doctor could change or could benefit from, ways that they can approach that in the right way? Excellent question. Thank you, Dr. Vickis, for that question and the opportunity to be able to share some insight with that. 
What I always want to do, whether I'm a team member talking to a doctor or looking to influence behavior, it's really important that I understand how to communicate with individuals. So team members, when you're looking to provide feedback or ask something different of your doctor, it's important that we recognize the best time to have this conversation, first of all. And most importantly, and this is a whole nother full day workshop that we could do at another time, but most importantly, we need to recognize that most doctors are very analytical. They're scientific, they're, uh, they're business owners, and they're drivers, and they're really in the moment. And so it's best, number one, to be able to provide some information ahead of time to say, hey, Dr. Vitkiss, there was this opportunity that I wanted to talk with you about. Is there a time that we can visit later today or tomorrow? And allow the doctor to decide on the best time to engage with a coach's mindset, the team members. And then I always am going to circle back to what behavior are we looking for? If a doctor is talking too harshly to a clinician and the clinician is breaking down and, and not accomplishing what we need them to or, or having a big disconnect with that, we're going to circle back to the behavior, the ultimate behavior we're looking for. So we recognize we're not getting the behavior out of this team member through that type of feedback and coaching. So I would ask the doctor, doctor, this is what I'm observing. This is the behavior that as a team, we've talked about wanting. And I wanted to know how can I be of assistance to you in helping to coach this team member? And I did this two weeks ago, actually, this was an example that I used, or that actually it was, this was a new team member and uh, she was learning the industry and she was forgetting a lot on the tray, forgetting a lot in the process and the doctor was getting frustrated and they were running late and they're short staffed and would verbalize things for firmer than what the team member appreciated and was breaking down. And so I started by asking doctor, what is it? What is the frustration and what do you need out of this team member? And so we wrote it down. I need everything on the tray correctly. I need this person to look, be prepared for the appointment. And I need this person to communicate with me. They said, excellent. Let me help you this way in this process. At this point, this person is breaking down and we're not going to get those results. And I think she's valuable to the team. So I would always, I, you know, again, humility is huge, not coming at somebody aggressively. So that's where I um, would, would recommend uh, communicating in that way. Did that answer that question, Lauren? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think that was just an approach towards the doctor you experienced with, but it goes the same way. I mean, everything is a team, so it all should be handled and addressed that same way. So yeah, thank you. That was a great real life example as well. Uh, another question that we had come in, um, something I know that, again, influences everybody. So what is the best way to neutralize negative coworkers? Excellent question. I think I deal with this on a weekly basis in practices that we're partnering with and coaching with. And I actually just wrote an email for a very large client of ours of over 100 team members that uh, we put it out on the table and we just said, this is what our vision is. We've done workshops in the past where all team members have committed to what our vision is as a team and agreed to that. And this gossiping and complaining, which has gotten out of hand, does not fit into that vision. Please recognize and understand, do not talk about a team member when they are not in that room and do not complain and gossip without going directly to the person at hand and with a potential solution. And if this continues in this way, we will look 
to assess if this is a good fit for our practice at that time and we will make the necessary steps. And simply putting it out on the table and letting the team members know that we're aware of this. Now, this was a large group of people that it was starting to get habitual and we needed to turn it around. If this is one team member, I would sit them down individually, put it up on the table and saying, I'm recognizing and I'm hearing a lot of this behavior. This form of communication and this negativity doesn't fit into our vision statement. Can you, is there something you can share with me? Is there something you need that we can be more supportive of you so that we can turn this complaining and negativity around? Now, when the team member answers you, that's the agreement. If they say, um, you know, I need more support, nobody's supporting me, great. Let's decide how we can work on that and deliver that support to you. And once we come up with that agreement, we can hold them accountable and say, this is still happening. We discussed what needed to happen to, to stop it. And now we need to decide if you're a good fit for this team because vision and culture is primary, top priority in our practice. It's a matter of having that conversation and putting it out on the table, letting the team members know that this is not gonna be tolerated and you can facilitate and turn around behavior in team members. And if those team members refuse to participate and improve and change in that, then they are not a good fit for your practice. And I highly suggest making the decision to invite them to work somewhere else. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you very much. So with that said, we are going to wrap up our session. I want to thank you for sharing your amazing work and for bringing this wonderful session to NISO. I want to thank all of our NISO experience attendees for joining us this morning. And please be sure to take the test and complete the session evaluation in order to receive your CE credits for this session. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Have a great day.